0: The Rambling Preacher podcast. My name is Jesse, and I am glad we get to continue our conversation on demonology. This has been one that I researched, got a little bit overwhelmed with all the minor nuances, and then avoided covering. Um, But the primary reason I wanted to introduce this, um, and this is only an introduction, I'm not necessarily going to try and convince you of anything today, Um, just give you the facts. But the reason for it is because what I'm finding in the demon slayer theology is this assumption that you have to be uh, trichotomous or believe, um, essentially, and we'll cover this a little bit more in in depth, but um, a person is three, flesh, soul, and spirit. Um, And when I kept coming across this and them using this as a defense for demons inhabiting your soul but not your spirit... Um, and I was like, "What if I don't even agree with your, you know, your approach to anthropology, theology, um, regarding people or humanity, doctrine of man?" Um, and I remember hearing this case for tr- trichotomy early on, even growing up charismatic. I, I actually heard, you know, trichotomous uh, nature of man, and I didn't really think much of it. Didn't really think of um, what that would imply. And oftentimes that's kind of the root of why we study theology is what's the practice and what's the practical application of it. Um, so I decided it was worth a revisit actually a few years ago a few years ago and I landed more in the dichotomy camp and I didn't really press it and press into it too deep. Um, and so I've kind of kind of been doing this uh, reinvestigation with a little more um, study and a little more time involved. And so I I think I'm actually farther away from choosing, um, but I definitely have a strong leaning right now. So the plan is to introduce the topics and then likely have a podcast or even two dedicated to reviewing the passages of scripture that each of these um, philosophical camps use to defend their um, position. And so, uh, yeah, that's the plan. So here's here's kind of like an outline. It's uh, define trichotomy. Visit the scriptural support and the historical background. Define dichotomy. Uh, visit the scriptural support. View the historical background. Um, look at dualistic holism, hylomorphism, and even monism, and uh, kind of compare apples to apples. And uh, end all be all. Remember, this is philosophical. This is this is um, big brains have been debating this and thinking about this for a long time. Um, But when our philosophy, which is highly debated anyway, ends up determining our practice of theology, it's definitely worth uh, visiting. So without further ado, I want to just get into this um, trichotomy. Okay, So trichotomy is a concept in philosophical theology that deals with the nature of humanity. Um, And I've already said this, but once again, three distinct parts, body, soul, and spirit. Okay, so the body refers to what you obviously can see, and this will be a bit redundant when we get to dichotomy as well, but it's the tangible visible form that you see right in front of you. The soul in trichotomous circles is um, often understood as emotions, thoughts, and even your own personal individuality. Um, It's your inner self that experiences and feels, whereas the spirit is considered the spiritual or transcendent aspect of you. The part that actually can connect with the divine um, and the spirit inhabits the Holy Spirit inhabits. So, one third of you is inhabited by the Holy Spirit, um, and Trichotomus kind of makes this roundabout claim that you know you've got flesh, soul, and spirit, and that's why you can still keep on sinning because your soul isn't saved, but your spirit is. And so, according to Trichotomy, um, the the three become one, and that. Is the complete nature of humanity or a human being um, verses they'll use to support their position and this is what i'd like to spend more time on next time um, going through these together but first thessalonians 5 verse 23 is a big one now may the god of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the lord jesus christ um, so it kind of implies a tripartite nature in humanity. Uh, Hebrews 4.12, which I've referenced many times, um, I love this passage, but it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow. Um, and so they'll use this and say, hey, see, look, at you can divide soul and spirit. And so the differentiation there, um, it's very subject to interpretation, but that is one that they'll use first corinthians chapter 2 verses 14 through 15 the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of god for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually um, discerned the spiritual person judges all things but is himself to be judged by no one um, this passage is sometimes understood as distinguishing between the natural or a physical aspect of a person um, versus the spiritual side. Um, and, and I would argue this is a little more dichotomous in nature, so you don't hear this too often from Trichotomous. But I actually did a couple sources that looked at use this as one of their examples. Um, and then other cases that I often see, and these aren't biblical like proof texts but just examples they'll give first and foremost trichotomous people will say hey well God is triune Father Son Holy Spirit so thus we are triune and then they'll say hey guess what in the New Testament we are the temple in the Old Testament the temple had the outer court the inner court um, and the most holy place or they'll they'll kind of create this uh, This illustration where we are those and so they'll say hey this sin can dwell in the outer courts um, but the holy place and the most holy place you know that's your soul and your spirit and they kind of uh, they create a lot of theology based on that Um, and that's neither here nor there not really time to investigate further at this time um, though I do have opinions. Historical background. um, I was actually surprised. I knew trichotomy was probably new um, but I didn't realize how new and how little information there is regarding trichotomy um, pre-19th century. Like, I could not find anything from anyone In regards to trichotomy and I'm all for um, Semper Reformanda always reforming back to the scriptures and so I'm totally willing to say here and now like if I'm convinced biblically that trichotomy is the correct view then the historicity doesn't bother me Um, however it is worth noting that really before uh, the 19th 20th century um, there's really nothing in there in fact Watchman Nee is one of the first uh, most popular Uh, well-realized people that spoke uh, for trichotomy and I I would argue he played the most significant role in popularizing this viewpoint um, with his writings and his teachings okay and uh, Watchman Nee has his good he has some of his bads uh, that's neither here nor there that's just where it came from so I have a little bit of notes from Watchman Nee or in regards to Nee I should say okay Uh, If you don't know, he was a Chinese Christian author and teacher, held a position known um, as trichotomy, which we've already said. Okay. According to Ni's understanding, the spirit is the innermost and highest part of human nature. It is the faculty that will allow communion with God and receive spiritual revelation. Watchman knee is a little more charismatic. The soul, on the other hand, encompasses the mind, emotions, and will. It is a sea of human personality and self-consciousness. Um, and then the body refers to the physical aspect right so knee emphasized the importance of the spirit and its connection to god he taught that when a person becomes a christian the spirit is regenerated by the holy spirit and united with god's spirit right and this union enables believers to have direct communion with god and receive divine guidance right and so i think dichotomous camp would say the same thing it's just there's not that distinction of soul versus spirit, right? So now to jump over to dichotomy, which I think most people will kind of understand the framework at this point. Um, but dichotomy is the context of a human person is a soul and a body, right? They are distinct entities and they are separate from one another. Um, however, altogether they encompass you right um and there's a ton of nuance when it gets into dichotomy and dualistic holism and hylomorphism because they're all dichotomous at their core but then they all have slightly different viewpoints on how these two matters um work together whether it be you know material and immaterial or it be um you know soul and body and and do they are they interdependent are they locked are they locked together um and we'll get into some of that nuance a little bit. But a lot of the uh, more Protestant proponents of dichotomy would be people like John Owen, John Calvin, a lot of your typical Calvinists. um, I I think Martin Luther leaned more of a dichotomous route, okay? And so the scriptural support that they'll use um, is Genesis 2, 7, then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature, right? And so the breath of God... um, you know we would say a spirit or soul and they would argue that this is the immaterial aspect uh, of the flesh because the flesh had been made but the immaterial um, soul of the man had yet been realized and so this is that dichotomy that there is clearly a difference between a material body and an immaterial life force um, people who use Matthew 28 um, or 1028, where Christ says, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him, being God, who can destroy both your soul and your body in hell. Right, And, and in this verse, Jesus Christ is distinguishing between the body, which can be killed by anyone, and the soul, which only um, can be killed by God um, and continues to exist beyond physical death. Right. And then the other one, um, there's a few that I think Dichotomy uses and they use well. First First Thessalonians 5.23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, right. Once again, we we reference this one for Trichotomy, and this is why I want to visit. This one is one of the big ones we need to visit. Um but in dichotomy when they defend this position they'll say spirit and soul and they'll get into the greek and they'll argue for a synonymous type of um, language that isn't meant to be distinct rather it's just encompassing who you are and so they'll kind of make that argument um matthew 26 41 watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak right? Once again, the contrast between a willing spirit and a weak flesh, you could argue Romans 7 as well, right? Ecclesiastes twelve seven. as the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Um, so people, we use this verse, um, and this verse, once again, actually can be used to support trichotomy. So we have to view, view all of these as kind of depends on your interpretation and, you know, spend some time on another podcast investigating these scriptures a little more closely and intimately. Um, and so they'll use that as well. And so something to keep in mind with dichotomy that I found... Um, Convincing in my studies when I did spend time time on this is not only was it common in Greek thought right and, and philosophers Aristotle uh, and and you had um, All sorts of bright minds leaning toward a dichotomy and, and that played out in a lot of a lot of different ways So keep that in mind right like you know it did and so you look at and then I looked at like Pharisee Pharisees in um, early Jews and in the Old Testament and what you find is pretty much everyone um, believed in a dichotomy a, a material flesh and an immaterial soul that God gave um, and, and you even get into the um, I mean, I even ended up touching on the book of Enoch a little bit in this study. And so you just kind of get going and and you see all of these things. Um, But people will even talk for dichotomy, the point of Paul saying, whether in my body or out of my body, I know not, but I was taken up to the third heaven. and and contrasting that against okay there's clearly a a separation between these two and can they reside without each other um can they not reside without each other do they rely upon each other anyway historical background um i already mentioned the philosophy um dichotomy has uh links to plato aristotle um and it it has a dualistic view of the soul and body um, and it just some people would argue against some of our Christian you know Aquinas or Augustine or or all of these people saying they're still thinking like the Greeks that's what Trichotomous people may say Um, but what you'll find also is Aquinas um, he wrote his uh, work Summa Theologica um, and he he advocates wholeheartedly for a dualistic perspective that distinguishes between a a material body and immaterial soul Um, and Honestly, I, I will th- I will say that Aquinas obviously is more hylomorphism. That's what we're going to come up to. But once again, these these terms kind of get lost um, if you're not careful. There are slight nuances between them. Um, dichotomy. I have a table that I think I'll put on Instagram for you guys, but. Um, I am not to my table yet, but we'll get to my table here in a minute. Um, Augustine uh, Martin Luther, um, he you can find his in the bondage of the will uh, and his commentary on the book of Galatians, um, where he distinguishes between a physical body and a spiritual soul. John Calvin um, institutes right? You can find that he affirms dichotomous understanding of human nature. Um, and then Jonathan Edwards, and he also affirms and adheres to dichotomy, um, in writing such as the end for which God creates the world um, and his religious affections. Okay. And John Owen and, and pretty much everyone is going to fall fall into a form of dichotomy. Um, in fact, when I was talking to my Catholic buddy, um, he was talking about how most Catholics tend to lean more toward Aquinas's work in general. Uh, and that's the generally accepted view. However, there's not a dogma, right? And so, um, you know, I, I just kind of say that to say um, that it, it's been the predominant opinion when it comes to the uh, anthropology of the doctrine of man, it, it's been the opinion for a long time. Now now insert dualistic holism, right? And so we get, we get through dichotomy which says there is a soul and there is a flesh and there are separate things. And dualistic holism kind of takes that same thought but maybe makes it a little better. And so it views the soul and the body as separate entities, but considers them to be interconnected and interdependent. It acknowledges that the soul and the body have distinct characteristics, functions, and experiences, yet they are not seen as completely isolated or independent from each other. Instead, they are understood to interact and influence one another, forming a unified whole. So your flesh wants something. It does have an uh, an effect on your soul and your soul wants something and this is once again people will look at things like Romans 7 to kind of defend this that they are interconnected and they are interdependent and dualistic holism the emphasis is on the integration and interplay between the soul and the body recognizing that they are distinct yet inseparable um And so the human experience needs both. Uh, This view allows for dualistic understanding while also highlighting the holistic unity of a person, which I like. Um, Typically, scriptural support for dualistic holism will sound and look just like dichotomy. They will use all of the same things. Um, Surprisingly, in my research of this, I found myself coming across a lot of writings from N.T. Wright, um, and he has a book called Surprised by Hope. I did not read the entirety of the book. Uh, it It was a doozy to read. Um, but I found myself resourcing N.T. Wright um, as, as kind of a more common or newer resource for this. And honestly, it's very similar to hylomorphism, which I'm going to just jump right into at this point. Um, hylomorphism, um, we're, we're once again composed of two inseparable principles, form and matter, or matter and... Uh, or material and immaterial right Um, and and form refers to the specific characters characteristics qualities and functions that define an individual where matter refers to the underlying material or substance which gives you the driving force right in hylomorphism the form the matter are seen as interdependent and mutually constitutive the form gives shape structure and identity to the matter while the matter provides the basis for the expression and actualization of the form once again we can trace hylomorphism back to greek philosophy okay um and aquinas really spent the most time developing his detailed version of hylomorphism um, that's been incorporated in catholic and christian theology since okay um, and so with this i've I got to my table now and um so hylomorphism their view of reality it emphasizes form and matter right Um, the soul and body are interdependent and the dualistic holism would say they're interconnected and now i know that's just a minor nuance and you could probably almost use them synonymously in fact i'm very much tempted to Um, and then you've got trichotomy dichotomy where dichotomy says soul and body are distinct Um, trichotomy says soul and body and spirit are distinct Right? whereas hylomorphism or holism, dualistic holism, is going to say that these two come together, but they are both required to make a person. Um, I didn't get into monism, obviously, because this is the least common you'll find amongst Christians, um, but notable Christian proponents for hylomorphism, we have Aquinas and Aristotle, um, or, well, Aquinas, and then we, I've already given you guys the list there. Aristotle's the Greek philosophy. Um Dualistic Holism, you have John Frame and N.T. Wright, Trichotomy, Watchman Nee, um, Dichotomy, Augustine, and Calvin. Okay, so Monism, the last one I want to kind of touch on, though it is a very less um, common in Christian circles to believe in Monism. But it, it is common. Like I found some Christian like scholarly type um professors that that advocate for a form of monism um and so monism is the belief um in one, right? Unity and integration. Uh, And the soul and body are completely inseparable. So this is different than dualistic holism where they're interconnected, or hylomorphism, where they're interdependent. It's saying they're inseparable. And so you'll find Christian scholars that believe in a form of monism. Once again, there's several different types of nuances, but you'll find a form of monism where they believe, okay, once you die because your flesh is dead, essentially you go into a, a, a soul hibernation until the resurrection of the dead, um, until that moment. And so they actually, you know, their version of heaven or the heavenlies is kind of null and void um, based on my studies. And this is why I'm not very attracted to monism. But you even have like a form of monism in materialism, um, in in philosophy. But um, monism, here's my definition, even though I just skipped right over it, is the belief that everything comes from and can be reduced to one basic principle. Um, some people think the principle is mental or spiritual. That's idealism. While others think it's physical or material. That's materialism, right? So materialism is a type of modism that says only reality is the physical world. And I know people that will say, I don't understand the spiritual realm. I don't understand it. It doesn't really make sense to me. The reality is what I see and my brain and my heart and all of these things that kind of apply to Um, the physical world and it's still physical right and so that you have people that kind of lean that way and, and they don't see the spirituality behind and the supernatural things behind um and so monism very basic introduction you've got monism technically you've got dualism which is dichotomy dualistic holism hylomorphism they're all a form of dualism and then trichotomy um which is very new, very, very, very new. And so when we cover the scriptures more specifically next time, I definitely think we need to visit 1 Thessalonians 5.23, probably Hebrews 4.12, Matthew 10.28 will probably be a good one, Genesis 2.7, probably 1 Corinthians 15.44, and look at those. So I actually do have... Um, some quotes for you to consider just from people that I I enjoy and some quotes that came across when I was studying this. Um, for Martin Luther, the soul, the body is the soul's house. Shouldn't we therefore take of our house so that it doesn't fall into ruin? And once again, as I talk about this dichotomous principle, you find the Pharisees definitely believed in a dichotomous. You find the, the Old Testament Jews believed in a dichotomous. Um, and so this is why trichotomy to me is just that it's the new kid on the street and you know hey i'm not saying new kid on the street has to be wrong it just has to reform the scripture and is it doing justice and the scriptures it's using to defend itself and so maybe reading a little more on me in visiting those troubled passages that trichotomy and dichotomy disagree on right and so those are things i think we'll do in a part two um thomas aquinas says the soul and the body are not two separate things that work together rather the soul is the form of the body and they are one single thing so this is the idea of hylomorphism where the soul and the body are they're not two separate and this is where he kind of reforms dichotomy they're not two separate things that work together. Rather, they are one single thing um, in, in I, I, they, they morph together, right? They create one. Um, John Calvin, who is very clearly dichotomous, the body is the dwelling place of the soul. It is through the body that the soul experiences the world and expresses itself. John Calvin, right? So that's very clearly a dichotomous view. Um, and then I really like this quote from Lewis, though I don't know what he is, though I lean dualistic holism the body and the soul together constitute the whole person created in the image of God and redeemed by the grace of Christ. I mean, once again, this is not meant to be exhaustive. This is me trying my best to ramble and introduce these, these topics. Um, but they've been pondered and debated by the greatest minds for a long, long time. Um, but you can see a trend that seems to imply uh, dualism or dichotomy, right? And and once again, I've said this probably three times already, but I'll say it once more. I'm all for reforming back to the scriptures. Um, and if they take me to trichotomy, so be it. But I right now, I severely doubt it. Um, I found myself really in agreement with dualistic holism when all was said and done. Um, my problem with... Um, uh, trichotomy aside I'm not even going to go down the the my issues I have a trichotomy right now um, because I actually think there's compelling parts of trichotomy as well and so that's why I'm not saying I'm I'm not decided Um, and I definitely want to visit those passages with you in another podcast Um, but I think the the reason I, I appreciate dichotomy solely kind of uh, you know Aquinas' work on hylomorphism and and, and even N.T. Wright's work um, and, and this approach to calling it dualistic holism, I really appreciate. Um because dichotomy seems to fail to prioritize um first and foremost the garden, um, the garden of Eden, we were given flesh. We were that was the garden of God's pleasure, right? Like this This was not, our flesh is not evil. Our flesh is not bad. I mean, yes, because of the fall, because of sin, now it is. And and we don't want to fall prey to Gnosticism where matter does not matter. No, God originally intended to give us flesh and he breathed life into us. And and that breath was a spirit or a soul or whatever you want to say. Um, But also, I mean, the bodily resurrection, of the saints. I mean, that is, it's preached all throughout the New Testament. And my my fear with dichotomy is it, it could kind of paint this picture that, okay, here's your flesh and here's your spirit. Like I've had people tell me point blank, they don't understand why they keep sinning. So they've just essentially decided that their flesh is unsaved and their spirit is saved and that their flesh just will continue to sin and struggle. But that's not what God saved anyway. He saved their spirit. And I'm like... Okay, but that goes against so much of New Testament scripture. Like Paul clearly, very, very incredibly clearly has a dichotomous view of your soul and your your flesh. They belong together. And yes, you're going to sin and yes, you're going to struggle, but you're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be sanctified, sanctified. You know, you, your spirit is regenerated or however you want you know, to to picture if you're a trichotomist, right? Your spirit is regenerated. And now your spirit is doing work on your flesh to be sanctified. Um, and all of that just seems very cut and dry, very clear. Um, and why is there this new kid on the block, trichotomy, that's only been around for the past, you know, 100 years? And, and why is he trying to take us? And it's caught steam. I mean, trichotomy is... Absolutely, Um, Watchman Knee was the biggest proponent, and now you see it in charismatic Pentecostal circles pretty much exclusively. I would not say I found it anywhere else besides charismatic and Pentecostal circles. Um, You'll see dichotomy or a dualistic holism of sorts in most Reformed, Baptist, Protestant type of circles. Um, And then obviously your classic nonchalant Christian won't know anything about it, but Dichotomy seems to, once again, I'm not anti-dichotomy. Dichotomy Dichotomy just may not clearly uh, give you this picture that your flesh does matter, right? We were created in the garden with flesh. The fall, yes, it ruined it, but matter does still matter. Um, And I mean, even Paul says bodily training is to some advantage, right? And he even says like, if I'm gonna be here, I'm gonna be here. And then the bodily resurrection of the saints, which you have to believe if you want to be a Protestant within orthodoxy, which is crazy because that's something that's not talked about enough today in in evangelical churches. Um, But you look at, you know, the Baptist Confession 1689, chapter 31 talks about it, Westminster chapter 32. I read both of those to make sure, right? But the bodily resurrection of the saints is is absolutely necessary um, to remain within orthodoxy and... I think dualistic holism does a good job of capturing the essence of um, two. Yet the the importance of recognizing it creates the the entirety of you, um, and and they're in working they're in working cahoots, right? They're going to going to work together um, to accomplish the will of God here on Earth, and it's not it's not a uh, a temporary thing. It's not like you're just going to. You know, be a spirit and live in heaven forever, which is totally what I believed for a long time growing up as a kid. And most kids still believe today in American churches is that they'll just die, go to heaven, and that's it. They're just, and that's why I think we have such a hard time processing what that actually looks like because we don't understand. But once you actually get into orthodoxy and what the New Testament preaches and teaches, and what the you know, the apologists had to defend themselves against from the early Roman Greco Empire saying, What if we chop you up in a million pieces and, and scatter you, how will you be resurrected then? Right? Like it's so historically and, and biblically and everything you could possibly imagine necessary to believe in a bodily resurrection, even even Corinthians saying that Christ was the first fruits of of the resurrection to show us he defeated death for us right and so anyway all of that to say dualistic holism kind of does a good job of capturing like God made flesh, flesh is flesh initially was good and then the fall tainted it and he came to redeem not just your spirit but your flesh too and when we die that's the penalty for death but he has an intention to resurrect all of his saints and there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth and a glorified body. Right. And so I think dualistic holism does a good job of capturing that saying they they are separate, but they are actually meant to be together. Um, in the end right so anyway those are my thoughts that is a very brief introduction a preliminary conversation about trichotomy dichotomy and this morphism and the dualistic holism and i don't think i did a great job by any stretch of the imagination but hopefully it was adequate and we will spend some time in scriptures next time discussing um those contentious uh, uh, passages that trichotomy and dichotomy will disagree on and that will be i don't know if that'll be the next one or a few out but that will be in the agenda so until then think on it